If you're dreaming, God is speaking. And what better way to learn to interpret your dreams than the Breathing Underwater membership? This is a monthly subscription mentorship where you will have access to monthly live Zoom calls where we do live interpretations and learn to hone our skills together in community. You will also have access to a private Facebook group with weekly video teachings, and there's more. You will also have a one-on-one 60-minute coaching call with me every month, and all for less than the price of a single coaching session. Because it is my heart to walk alongside you and see you grow into all that God has for you. So sign up today, join the community. We would love to see you there. We were designed to hunger for the deep things of God, to thrive on faith and wonder, to seek out divine wisdom that defies human logic. We were designed to unlock the mysteries of God. This is Breathing Underwater. Welcome, welcome back, everybody. My name is Margot. This is Breathing Underwater, episode 33, and we are continuing our discernment series here. Just a couple more episodes before we shift gears. This series has felt um, really important. I I don't have better words because it's far deeper than that, but it's felt uh, really, really important that I'm releasing this, that we're bringing up these topics. And what I think is so interesting is you know, I'm just being faithful to God over here and talking about and teaching on and bringing up what I feel the Holy Spirit is asking me to bring up without any knowledge or recognition of what is happening in your lives, at what point you're going to listen to this episode. I mean, someone could listen to this 15 years from now and have a breakthrough. And maybe this is all for a future season. But I felt the weight in doing it. And I and I think many of you are resonating with it even now in time here in 2023, at the end of 2023. And today's episode, I, I'm doing an interview with my best friend, Brienne, around the topic of discernment, but specifically having her share her personal story of getting free from a, a particular oppressive spirit dynamic that she was unable to name for a really long time. And this story is really sacred, obviously, to her and to me. And I'm sure that you might agree with some things and disagree with some things. Some of you might be getting radical freedom as you hear the way that we name spirits and experiences, etc. And some of you may just feel a little offended. And I want you to know that's okay. That's totally okay. Whatever your experience is today is your experience as you're listening to this, and that's supposed to be what you're experiencing. But I ask right now that you would open your spirit to really hear from freedom himself, to hear his heart over your life and how he wants to directly lead you personally right now. What jumps out at you in this episode? What affects you? What what irritates you, what frustrates you, pay attention to those things because I think God is in all of those, okay? So before we jump into the interview, of course I have to talk about 33, which 
honestly is one of the best numbers. It's one of my favorite favorites. And I love that it is aligning with this episode. I did not do that on purpose. I did not do that on purpose, but God surely did. Because 33 means overcoming death and resurrection. Because Jesus overcame sin and death and was resurrected from the dead when he was 33 years old. So it couldn't be any more powerful or victorious. And I think just a a really key reminder as we talk about what we're going to talk about today. So without further ado, here's Brienne. Well, I am here with the infamous Brienne Trouder. Yes, the Brienne from episode five. Oh, man. Dolphins and Teslas. That is me. (laughs) Is that what the name of your dream was? Yes. Dolphins and Teslas. She was my first guest and she's also my best friend. And I'm really excited to have her with us today because we're going to be talking about something that's a little hard to talk about, but we thought was important, especially in this series on discernment. We've been learning about what it means to discern and the fact that part of the purpose of discernment is to expose the enemy's plans and is actually for the greater good of the body. Obviously, we don't just discern demonic spirits. We discern the Holy Spirit and we discern human spirits and we can discern angels. Um, But specifically today, we're going to talk about some specific discernment that my friend Brienne and I have had in our personal lives and experiences where God has used our gift of discernment to shine the light and expose some demonic plans and forces that I think are actually more common than are talked about. So we're going to be talking a little bit today about religious abuse or spiritual abuse, if you're uh, familiar with that term, and manipulation and control, and which really is witchcraft. So we might be kind of interchanging those words and that language, but really felt it was important to broach the topic, especially in discernment. Because what's interesting is with religious abuse and manipulation and control, I think they go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes what that spirit is trying to do is get us to doubt what we know or feel anyway. And so the whole thing is to doubt our discernment. And so we can feel like we're not discerning that. And it sometimes takes someone else to name it for us to say, oh, I think that's what that is. I know that's been my journey. I know that's been a little bit of your journey, Mm Brianne. But I would just love to hear from you your journey with discernment Mm -hmm. and actually starting to name some of those things. I just named what that was like anywhere you want to start. And then we'll just kind of back and forth. Yeah. Great. Um, you know, what's funny if I can just preface with this, this is my first time talking about these things publicly. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's been interesting what I'm even coming up against spiritually breaking this open, naming things and just the accusations coming at me or just trying to get me to be quiet or question what I can say, what I should say, whether I'm being honoring because there's other people involved in the equation Mm. and, and things like that. So it's interesting even when you start talking about things, how that Mm -hmm. spirit's like, no, we don't talk about this stuff. Let's keep it under lock and key and and not name it because people are going to get free when we start naming it so i just wanted to say that i'm glad you did and i actually wonder if it's okay with you we started to record this a couple days ago and then the timing just wasn't quite right but we definitely opened this up a a couple days ago and that night you ended up having like a pretty rough night yeah do you feel like you can go into it at all just talking about the pushback and the warfare sure yeah well i mean First of all, I feel like trying to record it, we were even experiencing warfare. It was crazy. <laughs> like it was it was silly the things that would happen. So yeah. like we'd laugh at them. It's not like 
the enemy was like in our living room. Right, right. But, but things kept happening and just kind of thwarting our ability to be yep. able to record, which just seemed so crazy. Yep. Um, and then that night, I couldn't sleep at, at 2.30. And guys, I have a newborn. I have, I have a six-month-old. Not quite a newborn anymore, I guess. But like, I'm already not sleeping. <laughs> so when it comes to like, okay, I can sleep for a couple hours, I'm out usually. And at 2.30, I woke up and I never fell back to sleep. I could not sleep at all. I was just kind of tormented with mm. um, accusations, intimidation, just fear, just really, really under it. And usually I think I'm pretty good at recognizing and, and mm-hmm. trying to get on top of it. And I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I reached out to Margo in the morning like, hey, how was your night? Because mine was crazy. Yep. Um, so even just tapping into this breaking it open at least for me and my story and using my voice to name the things that have been painful for me yeah when we start to recognize where we were traumatized in our walks and and stuff like that it's like I've talked to my friends and close people around me but to start talking about it publicly is like Mm -hmm. a whole different thing so um I guess I'm naming that for our sakes I feel really good saying that yeah good Um, job thanks but then also just for everybody listening yeah it's important to talk about and the enemy doesn't want us to and so yeah we're pushing through we're here day two we are so pushing through and this thought just came to me and we don't have to belabor this but you know scripture talks about the enemy being the prince of the power of the air Mm. and when we're talking about media media is actually really influencing the airwaves and that's what we're doing right now is we're releasing this truth out in this space of media and it's really like we're taking back airspace if you will and so I think there's even there's always resistance on us opening our mouth and exposing something always especially Mm -hmm. when it's something that's kept us oppressed but then the fact that we're even in the media space I think there's an extra push because we're taking back territory yeah I agree listen we could preach about this for a minute oh Mm, and we're going to so here we go (laughs) Sorry to interject there. So I'd love to hear or them to hear just a little bit of the context of what you're talking about when you say you've gone through this. Yeah. Um, Well, if I can start somewhere, you know, really light and easy. (laughs) We've been joking. That's the language Margo was using earlier. Light and easy topic. Light and easy topic. So easy. Um, I I went through a, a divorce in 2019, uh, which, you know, took a little bit of unraveling even before yeah. then. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's obviously been a while and I've processed a lot uh, from that. But I came out of a relationship that was um, very abusive. It was spiritually, religiously abusive, whatever word you prefer there. It was, you know, verbally abusive. Um, I was married to a narcissist, essentially, and I didn't know it. And mm-hmm. I met him at church. Mm-hmm. He's a pastor's kid. Like, mm-hmm. I was just in the swirl of, I, I feel like I'm doing the right thing. Everybody says this is the right thing. Like, oh my gosh, a girl who's like a believer in the church, like what could be better than marrying the pastor's kid? Like, this has got to be the top notch dream, you know, like I'm going to be part of the pastor's family. This is mm-hmm. so great. Um, and just the facade of all of that and mm-hmm. going through, I mean, I was married for nine years, so a long time. I got married when I was 18 mm. and just got sucked into it. It became my normal. And I didn't know, I didn't know I was under such 
a critical spirit. Mm. I didn't know I was being gaslit all the time. I didn't know I was being controlled and manipulated all the time. I just didn't realize it um, until all of a sudden I did. <laughs> and things things broke open for me and it was like the Lord tore a veil and I Oof. suddenly saw things really, really clearly. Mm. Um, they had gotten really bad where it was almost like, oh, I can't ignore the fact that this is not okay. Mm -hmm. But as I recognized it and named it, I realized, oh, this has always been there. Mm. It just kind of always looked and tasted and felt a little bit different mm -hmm. through the years. Um, mm. But I was always under it. Can we can we go on that yeah. a little bit? Yeah. So it was always there, mm -hmm. but it, you had a moment where it was like, aha. D did you feel like you were discerning it or something being wrong or the narcissism or the, the abuse and that kind of stuff during the relationship, but just kind of pushed through it or glossed over it or had different words for it? Or what was that like? Yeah. Um in the relationship, I, I knew that things were wrong and I would definitely have moments of like grieving and frustration mm -hmm. and pain and being mm -hmm. hurt. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think in that environment I was in, well, if I can tap on this also very briefly, but I, I married into a church family that the church itself also very much operated in religious abuse and, mm -hmm. and manipulation and control. So it was kind of a bigger beast than even just like, I mean, being married to somebody like this is already a big beast, but big beast being also, you know, fortified within a yep. church organization and your in-laws operating in this. Sort oh of yeah. Thing. Um, I would sense it and feel it, but I think I got, I just got pretty desensitized in general. Mm. Desensitized. What a good word. It, it almost felt like I, I've used this language just in therapy. It felt like I was kind of under a spell. Like, mm. like I just could not see clearly. I could not get up and over it. I did not have any language for what was going on. Mm -hmm. So even if it didn't feel great, um, I had lots of people around me telling me everything was fine and normal. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that gets you kind of questioning, mm -hmm. not trusting yourself. Yep. Uh, and yeah, that's kind of answer answer the question yeah and I could I, say so much I know I know and and I think we just we just will but this reminds me of I mean really that's I would say at the end of the day that's one of the tactics of this spirit dynamic where there's manipulation and control operating it wants you to feel like you can't trust yourself mm -hmm. because then you're at its mercy it's like you're losing personal power totally. it's like then you can't expose it mm -hmm. like the control it wants to own you wants mm -hmm. to own your senses and yeah what was it like for you to take that back and what was that process like it, are you still in that process what has yeah. god spoken to you about it? any of that yeah uh what's interesting about my process is um my my ex-husband and I uh, felt that there were things wrong in the church that we are part of, which was his parents' church. And so we actually we actually moved um, for a few reasons, but we, we would recognize certain things there. I just never recognized that he operated in it also. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and again, didn't have any language for what was going on. I was just like, ah, this isn't healthy. This isn't good. Uh, this is off. Um, and then separating there so separating from that church environment and actually putting myself in a church environment that's healthy mm -hmm. and mm. free mm. 
um, and is also kind of using some language mm-hmm. to, to name something like, like mm-hmm. this, I think I gradually got stronger mm. um, as we were off on our own. And, and in me getting stronger, unfortunately, he could not handle that. Uh, me becoming bigger, um, Free. me having a voice, mm-hmm. me owning my own space, owning who I am. Mm-hmm. That didn't go very well. And then when I did see things rightly and feel like that veil was torn over my eyes, um, separating was really, really challenging. It was like as I was was taking my own space and owning myself, the control and manipulation got harder and worse. From it, him. It, yeah, mm-hmm. it was it was like a territorial thing. It mm-hmm. was like, as I'm taking new space, he's getting louder, bigger. Um, the things he would do would just get worse. Mm-hmm. It would be more blatant. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really, really hard mm-hmm. to actually get free. It was a challenging mm-hmm. court process. Um, just trying to hold on like, I mean, hey man, you can't make me stay married to you, but he thought he could, you know, like it's just wild um, what actually, Damn. how it showed its face once I knew what it was. It just got nasty. Wow. What was the, so there was more intimidation. And I know this because I was in this journey mm-hmm. with you, but I'm just asking questions for the sake of the interview. Yeah. Because I think it's important to even just paint a little bit of a picture of how the intimidation got worse for you. And in that time, was it like, oh, this is actually causing me to rethink this? Or is this fueling your fire even more Mm. to go through with the separation? Mm -hmm. Because I know the tactics are usually to intimidate us and shut us down and get Mm -hmm. us to stop the separation and getting free. Yeah. Yeah. And I think during the years, they would work on me. Mm. But once I saw things rightly, when he would use them, it just it fueled me to get free Mm. more. It pushed me further and further away Mm -hmm. because I saw it. I saw it rightly. I knew what was going on. And the Lord was just so kind to make that really clear to me. Yeah. Um, so I could really decipher and discern what was going on. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even in, in separating and, and saying and, and choosing divorce, it was, you know, he's, he's getting counsel from pastors and bringing me pastoral advice that is manipulative and controlling. Mm-hmm. Um, even just like lies about me and my reasons why, you know, like, there was a whole blame game of telling me, you know, I had an affair and fallen in love with somebody else. Where right. It's like, right. This is not what this has to do with at all. Yep. You know, trying to find somebody else to blame, something else yep. to blame, uh, trying to shame me, trying to make me feel awful, trying to tell me that, you know, divorce is a sin. And so I, I can't get out of this forever. You know, like I'm stuck in it forever and everything should drop right now except him you know i should focus everything on him because our marriage is crumbling and so like i can't take care of myself you know that idea of our therapists were like you guys should do individual work and you should have marriage therapy at the same time he was not about that individual work Mm. because he didn't want me to be big he didn't want me to be free he didn't want me to see things rightly for myself he wanted me under his influence Mm -hmm. and his narrative of things so Mm. Mm. Yeah, it, it was it was definitely a challenging process. But as mm-hmm. he would, as he would push, and as he would bring these things to try and belittle me again and bring me back in again, it Little was like me. I saw things, I saw things a lot more rightly, mm-hmm. and it just pushed me further away. Mm. I want to go to the narrative. I love mm-hmm. that you use that word because I think this is a big way that this. Well, honestly, any any demonic accusation or spiritual dynamic push like negatively 
Mm-hmm. They're usually coming with a narrative. Mm-hmm. And it might not always be that obvious, like, I'm here telling you a story. But they're, right. but it's coming with an energy and it's coming with an accusation that causes us to create a narrative that is false. Like, basically, it causes us to tell a story about who we are or our situation that isn't the actual truth about the situation. Right. And I'd love to know what the narrative was for you and the way Mm -hmm. that that had influence on you. Mm -hmm. And I had this question earlier when you recognized through the years, like there were some things in the relationship that weren't good. Like you recognized, oh, this is painful. Like that was kind of gnarly. Things aren't good. Yeah. Was there an experience of it being your fault or you just needed to work harder Mm -hmm. or kind of what did you do with that? And was it a part of a narrative? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, let me see. Let me tackle that second question first. Through through the years, it was uh, definitely like a cycle of abuse. So I don't know if, I guess I'll just name what that is. Let's do it. Um, it would be like one moment things were going pretty great. And there was a lot of like doting on me. I'm the best thing in the world. And then next thing I know, it's getting kind of bad. And then abuse comes in and it's getting rough. And then it's like so bad that I'm like, I don't know what to do. But divorce was never an option. It was Mm -hmm. like, that's not that's not even like a word in our vocabulary. So it was just, I'm definitely not okay. I don't know who to turn to. I don't know what to do. But like, Mm -hmm. I'm broken type abuse. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's like better again. And I would do this cycle. Mm -hmm constantly and when you're in those moments where it's it's okay or it's going well you kind of justify all the bad moments and then the narrative in marriage and where we were was like oh you know marriage is a lot of hard work and lots of compromise and these are the things that that we do like oh yeah of course you fight of course things are like this and you know whatever else is is being thrown in there and, and normalizing guess, dysfunction mm-hmm. and I didn't again I had zero language so I didn't know that he had a personality disorder I didn't know that it wasn't normal it was also in a church environment where it was like you don't really talk about your marriage if you start talking about your husband or your wife then you're dishonoring to them mm-hmm. if you talk about what's behind closed doors what's going on in your marriage like keep that under wraps that's for you guys to wow. to deal with so there wasn't really any comparison of like, Hey, is anybody else dealing with this? mm -hmm. Um, And then I think the biggest thing with him that was hard, he he had a lot of rage and he would have like blind rage is, Mm. is what therapists would name it where he would get so angry. He would say and do things in that state and then he wouldn't remember them. Mm. So how do you possibly clean up a mess when you don't even remember it? And then what would happen is, I would confront him about it, let's say the next morning, he would come out and act like everything was fine. And I would be like, do you not remember doing this or saying this to me? And it was like, I never did that. And that gaslighting would would suddenly, like over time, deteriorate my belief in myself and my trust in myself to actually even remember things well. Like he would accuse me, I don't have a good memory. And I thought that for so long. Wow. Sweet Margot, she's affirmed me so many times, (laughs) and I could cry, of how I have such a good memory. And I'm like, that's been like one of the big accusations is that I don't remember things correctly because he would just tell me I don't remember them. Like he didn't do these things to me and I'd just be left with like a big mess that I didn't know what to do with, you know? Yeah. Over and over and over again. 
Just, it's so asinine to me too because that is without question one of your greatest strengths <laughs> she remembers details about things that i'm like thank god she remembers that because that was really important and i didn't even remember that about my own life hmm. i want to just pause for a second yeah you good mm-hmm. to define gaslighting because oh, yeah. I'm not sure everybody knows it's becoming a little bit more of a buzzword, Mm -hmm. but the way I understand it and tell me if this is how you understand it is that this term actually came from a film back, I think in maybe the sixties or seventies. Amazing. You know a lot more than me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It came from a film called like Gaslight, I think. Mm -hmm. And it was a story of this abusive husband who had a gas lamp in their house. You know, those old school lamps. They were. Yeah. Those growing up. mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And he would dim the lamp just a little every day and then say something to his wife like or she would notice it this is how it would go she would notice it and be like is it is it more dim in here and he'd be like no I don't know what you're talking about yeah and systematically the next day you know continue to lower it and then her perception when she was perceiving what was happening completely invalidated and deny her reality and the intention was to get her so out of touch with herself and not able to believe her own sense of reality that he was controlling her narrative on reality yeah that's exactly how i experienced it Mm -hmm. and not only not only am i not trusting my ability to know my reality i'm also becoming dependent upon him to Mm. tell me what reality is Mm. so it's like Ooh, that's the big key. Yeah. Not only can I not trust myself, I have to ask him all the time, is uh-huh. it dimmer or not? And I have to trust that he's the one that's telling me the truth because I don't know what truth is anymore. And and I think it would, it would happen in these situations where I, I learned later he actually didn't remember a lot of the things, which mm-hmm. is just so sad. Yeah, but I think other moments he did mm-hmm. and, and it was intentional mm-hmm. of, of trying to manipulate me. And, and again... I don't even know how much was intentional right. or if he's just right. fully operating in the spirit yep. and I'm not on this he's a victim to, to it like, too yeah I'm not on here just to like bash people it's to name the spirit dynamic yeah. and help other people get free help other yeah. people name it help other people figure out if they're in these situations yeah. so they can get help and, yep yep and this is just this is my story everybody's just gonna look different but yeah mine mine had to end mine yeah. was not healthy and was yep. very abusive and we tried therapy for a long time and we tried the things that we felt to try and then I knew the Lord was like, no, you yeah. need to get out of this. Yep. Yep. This is something that I know we're both very passionate about. And this is going to bridge us into religious abuse. But so often we want to make something work or we think it's the right thing to do and it's you know just naivety or you know hope and it's not necessarily coming from a bad place but it can also be coming from a history of religious abuse where scriptures being used to control us or shame us or tell us that something is right or something is wrong and in this situation like this was this was abusive yeah 100 percent. and the covenant that was made was a covenant that was being manipulated yeah. it was actually an unhealthy covenant yeah and jesus's adamacy that his people are not abused yeah 
and that he's for freedom mm-hmm. before he's from for some religious statute mm-hmm. like this is who jesus is yeah. and it's astonishing to me how often we myself included in the past tolerate abuse yeah tolerate misalignment tolerate um demonic oppression in the name of some spiritual or some religious statute like i said mm-hmm. before or in or because of a misunderstanding of god's character yeah when he's a freedom fighter and it is for freedom that we've been set free and his prerogative is for all of us to be free and scripture says he doesn't like divorce of course he doesn't like divorce that was never the intention and nobody likes it of gosh. course not of course not but you know what he really doesn't like abuse and us being under enemy oppression he has literally given his life for us to be free from these things and i and i have a hard time and i know that you do too hearing where it's kind of this like never divorce at any yeah for any there at any cost preserve the marriage and it's twisted and taken like okay i just need to stay in this and take this abuse actually putting putting the marriage in the covenant above the freedom of the people. Yeah. Which I just don't think is God's heart. Yeah. Now, of course, it's not the pendulum of the other side where people are like, ah, I'm just going to get out of this because I'm over it. You know what I mean? Like, right. Well, it, I think that that was what was happening in that day when Jesus spoke about that, right? Mm, was, mm. was men had many, many wives and right. they would just divorce them for any reason whatsoever. Right. And so he was coming in to set a standard for them. Of like, yeah. This is, this is what it should be. Yep. And I agree, like divorce shouldn't have to happen. Like right. we don't want that. Right. I don't want that. I never wanted that. No it way. It was never on the table. I got married for life. Like, and nobody was naming it like you are. I didn't have somebody over there being like, this is, you know, divorce is an option. You know, mm-hmm. like it just was never an option. Right. Until the Lord was like, you're not okay. Yeah. This is not okay. Yeah. You need to leave. Like it's not getting better. And like, the Lord said that to you. Yeah. I had to depend on him. It was like. Yes. He came to me with a fresh word, but on top of the, on top of the like religiosity, like honestly, like an oppression over you of like, this is forever. You made this choice. You're stuck in it. Figure it out. Like you're stuck. Work harder. Yeah. I mean, with that, there's also just the thoughts that come through as like a person where you're like, man, I don't want to go through a divorce. I'm going to be like a, a, a used wife a used woman like does this i'm never going to remarry i guess i'm going to be alone forever mm-hmm. what's it going to be like to be alone forever mm-hmm. i had a kid involved mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. was six when it happened yep. like, i think that was probably the most challenging part for sure of it all i i did my own process but walking her through that has been the most challenging part of the entire <laughs> situation so obviously it's not something you do lightly right never right but when you do have a word from the Lord and yep. when you do start naming these things and you recognize yeah. like, oh, this other person is is not realizing this. This other person is not taking ownership for this. Yes. That there's no awareness whatsoever. Yeah. Like it's just perpetuating over and over and over again. Like they are choosing to partner with this. Mm-hmm. I can't stay. And my daughter can't stay. Yep. Like this is not the legacy I want for her. Yep. And on the other side, I'll stay like, where are we at? Four, four years later, five, five years going on five years later. Like it is was so worth it. Mm-hmm. It was so hard, but oh my gosh, so 
worth it. Mm. I could say so many things about that, but. Can you give a little bit of the redemption God has done specifically with this? And then we'll go into the. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the redemption is in my amazing husband that I have. Yeah. Okay. A new baby (laughs) and turnaround. I can say so many things about that, but, um, yeah, I am, I am remarried. I have like a, the complete opposite type of marriage. I have one that's full of beauty and union and honor and love and covering and safety. And he is totally my soulmate and I love him so much. And in that space, I know that my daughter has gone so much healing, Mm -hmm. just even if she doesn't have language for it yet, I know Mm -hmm. that she's constantly experiencing Jesus Mm -hmm. through him Mm -hmm. and is constantly having these corrective experiences with him, Mm -hmm. you know, corrective as in like, He's not over there correcting her, but corrective as in this is like the right mm-hmm. way a father should be treating mm-hmm. you and just receiving that even in experience form mm-hmm. before she has any understanding fully mm-hmm. of what has been wrong. Cause I can't name all of it to her. Right. She's so young, but not yet. Yeah. And then uh, now I have a six month old who is <laughs> being birthed into this legacy of, mm. of true union mm. and honor and marriage and, mm yeah destiny and marriage and mm-hmm. just all these beautiful things so the lord has done something really beautiful in mm-hmm. my story where i was that person who went through and said i'm gonna be single for the rest of my life i'm totally fine doing that if this is what marriage is i don't want any part of it i will be alone that's fine or thought i was you know a used bride and who would possibly want to marry me again you know i went through all of the different processes of of separating and then and then divorce and here's where the lord brought me so he's so kind <laughs> And I would even say, you know, some some of us just totally natural human thoughts, but also like used bride who will want you, man, that sounds like the forked tongued liar. Totally. So that's a part of that narrative trying to push on you. If you get divorced, you'll be used. Mm -hmm. No one else will want you. You'll be alone forever. (laughs) Totally. So just kind of to name some of the narrative that comes, right? Yeah. It feels like your own thoughts and your own fears, but it is actually being fed to you. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody is different, but in my story, um, my ex would not keep a job. He could not, he just couldn't work for whatever reason all the time. So I was the breadwinner. And in my story, thankfully, I knew that I could leave and be okay financially. Mm-hmm. But so many women yep. that I know are are not in that position. And that's yep. a whole nother narrative. Yep. Of like, you're not going to make it. You, you need somebody in order to make it financially. And yeah. That is so, so hard also. I mean, there's so, so many, there's so many narratives we could talk through, but absolutely and just i mean i think everybody gets our heart but we recognize like this is a a challenging thing to have to walk out and you have to have the word of the lord and and god walking with you to walk this to walk this road we have to be empowered by him because especially the spirit spirit dynamic of manipulation and control it's it's witchcraft it's rooted in witchcraft and it is like a web and it is so easy to get stuck in it that we have to have the blood of Jesus covering us and him strategically walking us out of it. And oftentimes, especially when it's connected to family yep. or community or church, it takes oh, yeah. that much severing. And even to just put this angle to it, like it's not only women getting out of these relationships. There are totally men. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Totally. But I'm just, I mean, yeah. I know you know that, but just for the sake of, Hey, men out there who are listening to this yeah, and are experiencing this too, I, I can I can only imagine, especially in a Christian union, yeah. the extra um, 
weight and responsibility even on a man to be like I couldn't leave her like I'm supposed to take care of her I'm supposed to provide for her like the obligation part even in that too where the enemy tries Mm. to come and and use that narrative to be like no do the right thing lay your life down for your bride etc which is a big one and a a really beautiful one when it's really pure but that's different than losing yourself and giving yourself over to a demonic expression you know and being controlled of any but that's not laying your life down yeah 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 and it sounds really obvious, but when you're in it, it can kind of feel like, wait, isn't this what I'm doing? Sacrificing mm-hmm. myself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's really nuanced. That's not what God is saying. He's not saying sacrifice who you are and give up freedom, all yes. freedom in the way of yes. spiritual freedom. We're not talking about, we're not talking about the kind of compromise that's uh, out of love of giving of like, no, I'll prefer you yeah. in this. That's yeah. really different than yes. being used and being yeah. taken from yeah, and yeah. calling it the same thing. Yes, agreed. I mean, in in my marriage now, it's like we prefer one another, but it's so natural to do so right. out of love. Right, just, not out of obligation. It feel like, oh, I'm just dying to myself, you know. Right. It doesn't even feel like that, honestly, yeah, at yeah. least in my situation. Right. But in the other, it was, I mean, my breaking point, my real actual breaking point, I remember just weeping and being in so much pain from a situation that was happening just an argument that got really out of hand and I was just yelled at a bit and I remember locking myself in a bathroom and I Mm -hmm. just had a moment with the Lord I wept and was so broken and the Lord came in and I could see myself I could see myself in the spirit and I was like the tiniest most minute version of myself Mm -hmm. I could possibly be I was so small and I realized I don't know who I am. I am so broken. Mm. I am so belittled. Like, mm. I, I'm i not okay. This is not okay. Mm. Like, all these years of, you know, I was, um, I don't know. I can't remember how old I was. But I was married for nine years. Like, mm-hmm. I should not be, I should not know, not know who I am. Like, like, just seeing myself that way was heartbreaking. Seeing myself mm. rightly and realizing the state I had, I had become yeah. through that time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, now I'm in a marriage where my husband wants me to be big. He wants to see me express myself. He wants to put me in these places where I'm growing and loving life and, you know, all the things. It's like I should feel freedom. I should feel bigger in in union, not smaller. Yeah. And I, I think, and I have obviously not experienced this kind of union, but I've had this promise for a long time and God has shown me a lot of pictures and I've experienced this even with my parents. They have a beautiful marriage where it doesn't mean it's without challenges and it doesn't mean it's without sacrifice and iron sharpening iron and every marriage is a little bit different for mm-hmm. sure and who God brings together. But the ability to champion one another to be more of who they yeah. are with the contrast of trying to get them to be less of who they are, mm-hmm. I think is really a key distinction. Yeah. When it feels like you're trying to grow and this person is threatened. Yeah. When you're trying to uh, even try new things or break outside of the mm-hmm. box mm-hmm. and and they're trying to pull you closer. Mm-hmm. If you're fine, it's okay to have, what's the word? Autonomy. Like mm-hmm. two do become one, but we're also still two individual people yeah, that's good. and that need to be 
to individual people and know where I end and you begin. And then we can actually, when we're each individually whole, which is a lifelong journey, Mm -hmm. but when you get a measure of of identity and that wholeness and that health, then you get to, you get to offer and give yourself to that person. Mm -hmm. But when there isn't that same definition and it's kind of like, I don't know where I end and you begin, you're kind of always taking or this, it's hard to distinguish. And it, that's not the oneness. I don't think that the Lord is talking about. There's a unity and an intimacy that is hard to articulate in that oneness, but there's still a recognition of autonomy. Yeah. 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 I agree. I remember having um, a lot of words about how, you know, marriage was becoming one. So divorce was like extremely hard because how could you separate one after it became one? And Mm -hmm. I was so afraid, you know, when the Lord told me, that, that, that this is where I was going. This was the path I was choosing. I'm like, dang, this is going to be so painful. Like, I, I don't know what this is going to look like. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get as much help as I can. Mm-hmm. And then in my process, it was, you know, my, my daughter was the hardest part, but in my personal process, it honestly was not very hard. Mm-hmm. Like I remember mm-hmm. being like, I thought that this would be worse. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I don't want to belittle it. It was definitely painful. Mm-hmm. Like I, I had to, I had to lay a lot of stuff down and process through a ton of pain. Yeah. Um, but the like separating from him was actually really easy. And I remember, I remember processing and realizing like, oh, I don't know that I was ever fully one with him. Mm -hmm. It felt like it because my world was so revolved around him. There was a lot of, you know, not only I don't want you to be big, but it was a constant, like, it has to be about me. Mm with him you know mm-hmm. it, it has to come back to it's yep. about me yep there was no ability to have boundaries or needs in that relationship uh-huh. so if i needed something or needed to set a boundary around a little bit of me time because i'm extremely introverted or me maybe voicing that the atmosphere in the home was a certain way and maybe i just needed it a little bit calmer at a certain time like there was no discussion like that i could i could never have a need I could never, there wasn't space for any of that. So the fact that I was so revolved around him and just naturally became codependent because I was in survival mode. It's like, who knew what I was going to get when I got home? It was like walking on eggshells every day. I don't Mm. know if he's going to be in this state or that Mm -hmm. state or, or what, like I'm revolving my world around him. Sure felt like we were one. (laughs) Yep. But in separating, I'm like, oh, dang. No, I was just really small and in the corner somewhere. Like... (laughs) taking on all his crap so it felt like we were one exactly exactly and I think that's a good um even image because I have heard many people express it this way and even um I've I've talked a little bit about this on the podcast in in past episodes when I've had dreams about an ex-boyfriend from high school and Mm -hmm. talking about past relationships and what that means in dreams that I was in um I was in multiple narcissistic relationships, but the first one was really forming. And it was, I was in it six years. I was in it from 16 to 22, which is wow. a very influential time. Yeah. I mean, you similarly, our brains are literally still developing. Yeah, that's when I was in a relationship too. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crazy. So stuff's being laid down and belief systems that are actually being laid down mm-hmm. inside of this structure where the boundaries are all off. Yeah. But we're being taught these other boundaries, right? And I don't need to go into all of that, but I remember in this relationship, this also happening where there was this very interesting, um, just talking about the autonomy and the oneness thing. It was almost like he was uh, leeching off of my light and my strength. 
and my personality. And at the beginning, really loved how confident and bubbly and big I was. But then it became really threatening because he didn't want people to see me and also love me and want me because he got super threatened, right? Yeah. Um, but it's it's something I experienced and it's something that I've seen in other friends' relationships and having other conversations. And I'm wondering if it was like this for you too, where there was actually... Um, there was such a lack of sense of identity on that other side, yeah. even though it maybe wasn't maybe wasn't posed that way at first. You wouldn't have mm-hmm. recognized it because the facade maybe came in strength, yeah, um, and and personality and pursuit yes, and yes, all of that. Same. But there was such a lack of identity actually mm-hmm. there that it was a leeching onto your identity. It was yes. actually feeding off of your strength, yeah. your wisdom, your yeah. connection with the Lord, yeah. your maturity, all of that. Did yes. you experience that? Yes, I totally relate to that. It was, uh, and I think it became really clear when, when we separated, Mm. um, because he just like went off the rails Mm. and I realized like, oh, I didn't realize I was grounding him in some way to something, but like not part of the church anymore, like living a completely different lifestyle where I'm like, okay, I guess I was grounding this and then, and then recognizing (laughs) you know, I don't think I fully saw it, but now I see clearly that I was actually like the head of this household and totally Mm -hmm. the one who heard from the Lord about things. You know, he didn't give me the power to be the head of the household, but spiritually I was the one receiving downloads about what was going on and what was happening. And then, I mean, even just financially him leeching in that sense. Mm. I also remember that the crazy moment of being in a home on my own after being married mm-hmm. so young, mm-hmm. I had never lived on my own before. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. once he moved out, I remember being in the home and just being like, oh my gosh, I am a peaceful person. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I was a peaceful person mm-hmm. because this other energy was constantly Whoa. swirling me out and and sucking the life out of me. Like, how could I possibly feel peace under a roof like that? Mm-hmm. And I did. I just didn't know, I thought. You know, I had all these accusations, like I, I was the hardest person to live with. I was the mm. perfectionist, you know, like I wanted, I wanted so much from him that was so unattainable whenever I would bring something up that was hard, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, I can definitely relate to that, uh, a leechiness, a sucking out of life and mm-hmm. energy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think you spoke to something here that I think I want to close with, and mm-hmm. I think we're going to need to do a part two. Okay because I want to give time mm-hmm. to the religious abuse piece. So maybe we'll yeah. just close with this part right now, if okay. that's okay with yeah. you. Um, you kind of taking on issues and attributes of his as your own. Mm-hmm. This also reminds me of what happens in a gift of discerning of spirits. Yeah. So I think it can be multi-layered, right? It happens because of, because of wounding we've had and just our tendencies toward you know, having compassion, but no boundaries, you know, et cetera. It could be anything. And it happens to all of us, especially in a relationship. Mm -hmm. But I would say too, when you're, especially on the sensitive side Mm -hmm. and there is a compassion and a tenderness, sometimes we don't even know what's happening. And sometimes we are intentionally like, I'll take that on for you. So you don't have to feel that. But sometimes it's happening. We don't even know it. What would you say in hindsight, you would, what would you say would be like the percentage of maybe like the discernment piece or the discerning of spirits and the kind of burden bearing space mm-hmm. of you taking on his stuff was? The percentage? Yeah. Like I mean, how we, much of his stuff did I carry? How much of, and you only have to give it a percentage mm-hmm. if there's a, a better way to, to quantitate that, but 
do you think that maybe this is a better question do you think that some of it was actually because of this spiritual gift that you had you were discerning stuff all the time but kind of thought it was yours Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or couldn't separate yourself from it enough to recognize that it was a spirit yeah and that it was his and so kind of just took it on and were trying to I don't know make yourself better or do more to overcome it rather than being like that's a spirit that's not mine yeah 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 was that even happening for you yeah in hindsight oh my gosh totally I have so many things I could say about this topic it's just so loaded well listen Um, let's just have eight episodes I'm good (laughs) Margot's new podcast Margot's new podcast Um, yeah, I, I mean, I said that coming out of that relationship, I wondered if I was ever really fully one with this person. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was one piece of it, but I will say I, I willingly made a soul tie with this person. Mm. And so even just that aspect of me tying myself to him in that way, you know, sexually, physically was like, I could feel what he was feeling a lot. Yeah. Um, and then through separation, I started recognizing more of that. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to break one soul tie and one and done. And I'm like totally free. It actually perpetuated a little while where I would have moments of I'm kind of deviating a little bit, but I'll come back around. Great. I, I remember this one time I I was so sick all of a sudden mm-hmm. I was vomiting and I was just like hunched over just for like 24 hours. I, think I remember I this. Could, yeah, I could not stop vomiting. And I was like, what is going on? And I was not okay. I was so sick. I had a fever and it just kind of came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And finally, I remember being in my kitchen and being like, Lord, like help me. Like, what is this? And he just went, Brianne, what position are you in when you're vomiting? And I was like, oh, I'm like hunched over face down. I'm being pushed down. You know, when you're vomiting and you're like, I'm sorry, TMI, but like you feel like pushed down. Oh, truly. You can't stand up (laughs) yeah yeah he's like brian this is not yours this is that same oppressive spirit like just cut the tie and i just said a really simple prayer like i give back to him everything that belongs to him and i take back everything that belongs to me i cut this tie right now in the name of jesus and in that moment it completely lifted and broke off of me so like whether it was just spiritual discernment or it would manifest in my body yep i which is a part of discernment yeah i carried i carried a lot of things that were his Mm. Uh, i mean just even being with somebody that does make it about them all the time yeah i think excuse me i think one of my beliefs was that um i mean sadly he had a really hard uh, history Mm -hmm. and i had so much empathy i'm still such an empath that i would just feel so bad yeah and he had so many people leave him abandon him not stay with him that i was like i'm gonna be the one that loves this guy into healing like i'm gonna be the one that's savior mentality totally Mm -hmm. and i thought that i could do that and i thought i could get past all of his pain and brokenness and be the one that loved him yeah i had an image of him as a whole person i knew that things weren't okay and i was I was fighting for him to become whole and mm. I thought that in mm. relationship with me that's where it was going to come you know mm. like mm. evangelistic dating or whatever we want to call it mm. and it it doesn't work like that. oh my gosh we are tapping on it right now I think this is totally where the Lord wants to go that yeah that is very common I have had multiple relationships where I have felt that same way and it feels so righteous mm-hmm. and it feels so um humble Mm -hmm. and giving of self and I think 
in general, our heart is really to be like, I can, it can cost me yeah. to a degree so that this person can get some freedom. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong, but when we bring it into the situation where it's totally codependent yeah. and we, that very thing, are taking the place of Jesus, yeah. this person is only going to get free and healing and, mm-hmm. and really the love and recognition and reconciliation internally that they need through relationship with the Lord and Mm -hmm. through the blood of Jesus. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't mean God doesn't use relationships and marriages in that. He absolutely does for sure. But there's a twisted counterfeit kind of mindset in there that I'm just going to do more, be more compassionate, Mm -hmm. stay in it, even though I'm being beat up here, metaphorically and literally. Yeah. I mean, and if I can say one more thing on Please. that note, I remember entering into a relationship with Chris, my my husband, mm-hmm. and he would just naturally do Your husband or now. say, mm-hmm. yes, he would naturally just do or say things that would impact me so deeply. I would weep and he would have no idea that he was doing something that was bringing healing to me of a mm-hmm. past wound, but he would say something or do something or have a belief system around an area where I had been told the complete opposite in my last relationship. But Chris wasn't over there like, how can I heal Brienne with myself, you know, in this relationship? He was just naturally being himself mm-hmm. and it was healing me. Mm. And I was reading a book in the same season and these people named that they Mm. were talking about how in relationship the lord brings us Mm -hmm. people that naturally carry things to bring healing to our hearts so that in union we can experience this heart through the love of our spouse yeah and we can be healed in that way but it's not like i'm striving over here and killing myself to try to heal you it's just being a doormat yeah and so many times i'll be myself and just do something naturally that i would just normally do and it impacts Chris a lot Mm. and anyway to just Mm. see that on the other side at least in my story Mm -hmm. and be like oh this is this is a version of how that should Mm. look Mm. versus the other you know because the counterfeit is it's nuanced like you said so when you're in the opposite you have all these excuses for why it's normal and okay and religious and godly and whatever of course Mm -hmm. you just don't know until you know yeah yeah exactly and maybe that's a really good place to end this one because it's really important to both of us that we have exposed this spiritual dynamic because it is a spirit and a whole dynamic of spirits Mm -hmm. that oppresses people into partnership with this and any of us are susceptible to partnering with that 100 percent. and we're talking about your ex-husband here i'm talking about an ex-boyfriend here there is hope like for these people have been oppressed by this they have been raised around it somehow they have been wounded and conditioned to partner with this in some way and so it's a part of their survival it's a part of them wanting to feel safe whatever it is i don't even know the ins and outs of it i don't want to pretend like i do but just to reiterate that like these people are being victimized by these spirits as well yeah and so our like you mentioned before, our exposing this is not to expose people mm-hmm. or to demonize people, yeah, but totally. to put on the spirits what the spirit is. Yeah. And I think anyone who wants to get free can get free. This is a challenging dynamic to get free from. You have to be able to recognize it and see it and, and walk with someone and the Lord who can really break people free from this. Yeah. But it is possible. And a part of our talking about it is even naming it for people who are oppressed by that, yeah, yeah. who are operating in that. 
yeah i would have moments of of complete you know like empathy i guess in my heart where i would realize like this is actually my ex's operating system yeah. he doesn't know any different yeah like in his mind this is how everybody operates totally it's just he's wired that way from his upbringing he's always been that way he doesn't yeah. he just doesn't know any different and that's so sad yeah that i can break free and enter freedom and have a breath of fresh air and like be free he can't get free until this is named and healed right and so, he wants to actually see it yeah, and accept it yeah. and but like you said you don't know till you know which i think revelation yeah. is a gift from the lord and yes i, I just pray and release that right now as we're speaking that yes. this is a moment of revelation for listeners yes that through our voices through this podcast that the lord the spirit of god would actually yeah confront people yeah and that there would be grace to receive and to see rightly that that he would come just as he did for me and tear the veil mm. before you. Mm. Whether you're somebody who's like, dang, I didn't realize I was operating in this. This mm. is totally my internal world. I didn't know there was another way. Whether that's you or whether you're like, oh my gosh, they're naming my pastor. They're naming my leader. They're mm -hmm. naming my spouse. They're naming my boyfriend. They're naming my partner or whatever, whatever situation you're in that you would actually be able to recognize it and that there would be grace for you to move forward and either getting healing or getting out of a situation like that so that mm -hmm. you can have freedom and you can be free just like Margot started with. Like Jesus paid way too high a price for you to live your life in bondage. He paid way too high a price for your freedom, for you to choose to put yourself in bondage. <laughs> that is not his will for your life no matter what you want to name it. That is not his will for your life. <laughs> we just bless you. We bless you with freedom <laughs> and with peace. If you're living without peace, oh, just bless you to meet the Prince of Peace. Yes, God. Thank you, God. He would come and just be more than enough for you. He would bring peace to your heart and your mind and you would just begin a process of healing <laughs> of all the wounds. <laughs> And all the hard things that you've experienced. Mm. Yeah, and that his love would eradicate fear. I so fully believe that Perfect this love. manipulation and control was really rooted in fear. Mm -hmm. Being threatened and being afraid of who knows what, whatever it is. We just speak his love, that his love would meet you, it would impact you, it would invade your space right now. Mm. You would meet with him. And it would eradicate all fear in you, in Jesus' name. Mm. Thank you, God. Beautiful. Thank you, God. Yeah, thanks, Jesus. Anything else you want to say there? I have so much more I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can just put a period on this one, <laughs> yeah, and then we'll great. come back with part two. Great. And we can elaborate more. Thank you so much for articulating that so beautifully. Mm, thanks, Margo. I appreciate your perspective and your vulnerability, and I'm applauding you. Mm, thanks. Can you hear the clapping? Yeah. I'm applauding you <laughs> <laughs> for being really bold and thanks. letting the media space be the first place that you are yeah. talking about this yeah. publicly. Yeah. It's a great honor for me, and for those listening, I just know it. I love Thanks, you. Margo. I love you too. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Here. I'll see you on the next one. Okay. Okay, guys. Until next time. I love you all. I hope that wasn't too heavy. Feel <laughs> free to 
send me feedback, send me questions. I just cover you. You know that you're loved and happy dreaming. Happy dreaming. <laughs>